Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Today we have a conversation with a friend, Ed Rosa. That's me. Hi. My filmmaking partner and I have a YouTube channel, Toothless Richard Productions, where you can see a number of our short films. In our back and forth, you pitched me the idea of deliberate controversy. So what does that mean to you? Great art should provoke. It isn't up to people to tell the artist what they want. So looking at, at films where the filmmaker seems to have gone out of their way to be deliberately provocative for one reason or another. And the films we'll be watching are Dragged Across Concrete, Last Tango in Paris, Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, Basic Instinct, Monty Python's Life of Brian, The Last Temptation of Christ, Bamboozled, and 2,000 Mules. It's about a guy named Brian who gets mistaken for being king of the Jews. <laughs> yeah. He's born like a couple doors down yeah. from, from the manger where Jesus is visited right, by the right. three wise men. Same night. And he lives till basically Jesus' death. He's crucified. All of it's accidental. Yeah. And it becomes a commentary on faith, on politics, on Middle Eastern policy of colonization, and just a bunch of gags. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, Python was a, a factor in a subset of neighboring friends to my friends mm. when I was when I was coming out. Probably this was true because of like age. When you were a teenager, you might have a movie party where you convince some parent to take you to the video store by car because, you know, it's a haul on your foot. And you go rent something that you kind of agree to with your buddies, something really grubby. Whatever the deal is. Like right. You get some parent who's soft and will let you get a double feature. Yeah, that's how I saw Tron. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that was my intro to Friday the 13th oh, as an okay. example. You know? okay. So it was one of those things. But then I allied myself with a different group of kids than my normal go-tos. Mm. I roll into this party, get dropped off by, I think, my dad. You know, it's going to be a fixed time when he's going to pick me up again. He knows where I am. i got to stay there. And I'm thinking, it's going to be great. Double feature and pizza. What could be better? <laughs> and what they rented was a set of the videos of the Flying Circus. Oh, wow. Oh, here comes the good one. Yeah. And, and I kept watching and waiting for it to be good, like they were all saying. And then you don't want to be the dude who's at the party who farts and makes a cloud of right. stink. So you just kind of tolerated that. And I was like, oh, watching the clock. Oh, my dad will be here. Yeah. Oh, I got to go. And it was just one of these terrible disappointments because I didn't get the humor. Right. I didn't respond to these guys. I thought it looked technically very bad, which in retrospect is probably both because it was technically very bad compared to American television. Yeah. But also it had been a videotape copy of bad stuff played many times by these dorks in the room. Right. So when they would say, oh, holy grail, you got to see it. No, thank you. Life of yeah, Brian, yeah, gotta see it. No thanks. <laughs> Later in life, Eric the Red, no, not interested. <laughs> so, I mean, I went 25 years with this belief, and only now in my 40s have I come around. How many times would you guess you've seen The Life of Brian? Oh, geez. I mean, I, 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 I don't know, probably 30, 40, 50 times. <laughs> I mean, I've watched it. Well, I try to watch it every year, like around like Easter. <laughs> Good because of it's yeah I I kind of considered an Easter movie even though there's like no like resurrection right but I'm also not a very religious guy. Well, the so afterlife of Brian would be a great. Yeah. Sequel. <laughs> 
I have this phrase that I like to bandy about, and it's not yet. Mm-hmm. It can be used in all kinds of circumstances, but I tend to, to think of it and try to remind myself when I'm dealing with older or younger people than where I am, and my enthusiasms, whatever they might be, the next burrito that I just love, right. or some piece of music I hear on the radio because I'm still an FM guy, or whatever it is, if somebody around me doesn't dig it, you know, right. because they haven't yet found the position where they're sort of on an equal basis on the same field of play where I am, mm-hmm. that I, I'm just so open to this thing right now. There's a contraindication there. I have to also realize that sometimes I have a not yet. Right, right. Well, me too. The first time I saw 2001, I'm like, what the hell is this crap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this thing's awful. Now, you know, I'm like, oh, no, it's the only movie I give a 10 kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. But the, I just I just wasn't it's, ready for it to, yet. You have to get ready for yeah. something. So I noticed that a lot. And I've noticed that you got, I'm, I'm a parent, so there's the issue of watching your children grow older and things that I have a great affection for that they don't care about but I know that eventually they're going to sort of hear an eagle song and say I know that that's programmatically good but it's not mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. going to know this eventually right? because I just I, I feel like that has to be the case so anyway it's, it's a not yet I have found that the references people make to Flying Circus and the Pythons and this troop of people especially as they splintered when their own mm-hmm. separate careers the people's response and acknowledgement of all of that stuff does sort of create a line in the sand. You know what I'm talking about or you don't. Right. It's not even about liking, but if you know that John Cleese wasn't from Fish Called Wanda, but he's got this whole lineage 20 years back. Oh, yeah. Then that means you're in the know. And that means you have some authority. I sort of feel like this is a litmus test then for cultural uh, power mm-hmm. in some ways. For a very narrow group of people who wildly think this is fantastic stuff. Which brings me back around to say... Now that I have crossed over <laughs> and I've seen Life of Brian finally, this is not a laugh out loud experience. I did hoot a few times while watching by yeah. myself because there are a couple little cheeky moments like that. But more than that, I was just really struck by how smart, as you say, how how sourced mm-hmm. the basis of the humor is to topically relevant things in the late 70s, many of which still have valence today. Oh yeah, And so I was just hit hard by that particularly because much of their, let's say, misanthropy Mm -hmm. (laughs) about the human condition has begun to overlap with my now middle-aged position about how a lot of things feel to me because they really go after religious faith and they really go after sectarianism among groups of people that look absolutely the same. Mm -hmm. And they, they go after these certain cloudy issues that continue to infuriate people, but they do so clearly, so winningly, because they planned all of this. Despite all of its spontaneous aspects, this is a very queued up and executed thing, partly because you know, they went somewhere, they made sets, they made costumes, they, they do run a story. There's a weird alien sort of interruption in the middle of it, which is crazy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it, it's a vignette from their, their, their days before. Okay, so a couple of key things that I think were helpful to me going in, because I have seen uh, Holy Grail. Right. I, I watched that in, in mid-COVID because it was in Netflix or something. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll pull this off the shelf finally. And it is a more random, eclectic, and all over the place thing, but it's more cited right. by people who know about the Python. Yeah, it's sort of it, it's kind of their most famous work. Not only are you dealing with a lot of smart British dudes or British Isles guys, because I guess they come from all over the place, they have a big, rich vocabulary, but they have registers of speech, high and low, and it's all through the prism of British slang. Mm-hmm. So there are a whole swath of what are they talking about? Because my <laughs> ear doesn't have this vocabulary. Right. Clearly, they must be talking about body functions, but I don't know what body parts they're referring to. So there's a leaning in a person has yeah. to has to do, and with repetition, you learn what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, once again, it's just like it's just like Clockwork Orange, it's right? Like, you know, you know when he speaks in that NADSAT, 
you don't you're like okay what at you, first but then if you see it a few more times it starts to there is an acquisition of of a, of a small bit of language that that I don't yet have so there were sections of this I know there's supposed to be something funny here but I literally don't hear what they're telling me because the <laughs> words are not in my everyday speech right and the other thing of course is you got to get used to the fact that these what six guys who are the primary movers mm-hmm. they're going to play each of them six to ten parts yeah. In the same scene, they'll do eyeline matches, cut, and there's there's the same actor in a different costume, right. which means that actually paying attention to every character's name and trying to identify who's who and what, ultimately you have to just let that go. Yeah. But I can follow Cleese. I can identify mm-hmm. him in all of his roles. And he has sort of the least makeup stuff to adjust his features. He just has costumes, but it's always kind of him. Yeah. I'm less familiar with Palin, and I'm less familiar with Idol and, and the rest of mm-hmm. the troupe. Although at a certain point, you kind of do pick them out. When I watch, especially the 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 first year or two of Saturday Night Live, yeah, it's it's crazy how much they were taking from the Pythons. Uh, in fact, I think Michael Palin has hosted like three times um, back. He hasn't hosted since the like the seventies. Yeah, he, but they had him host, and uh, Eric Idle, I, I believe as well, has hosted that that very first Saturday Night Live sketch. And, and John Belushi comes in and he sits down and he's playing this guy with a foreign accent who's like learning English or something. And you know, the like the funny funniest line is like, I, "I would like to feed your fingertips to the Wolverines." This is a Monty Python sketch, or or at least their version of a Monty Python sketch. It, it just is so once you really like spend a lot of time with these guys, you can you can really see it. Well, that example, that chain that you have just uh, done the custody of where it comes from is a good example of, I think, the primary feature of why they're gifted and wonderful if you can accept the premise, mm-hmm. which is hyperbolizing a natural situation into a position of discomfort that you can either find funny or outrageous, but you can't ignore that it's definitely put its finger right right in a boo-boo and it's pressing down. Mm-hmm. So in this movie, Life of Brian, one of my favorite moments in this, having just watched it, is when Brian is is accidentally installed as a prophet among a a row of prophets Mm. on a street corner just shouting to build a crowd. Don't pass judgment on other people or you might get judged yourself. What? I said, don't pass judgment on other people or else you might get judged too. But he eventually accrues this group of people who are kind of his acolytes. He doesn't want them and runs away, but they follow him and they gather followers to the following. (laughs) And he begins to run so hard he loses one of his slippers. He leaves behind a gourd that had been important in an earlier gag. And he's become these fetish objects for these people who keep following him. And he keeps saying, I don't want you. Go away. And every time he says something, simply to minimize the risk of having people identify him to the Roman soldiers, they take it as another token of he must really be a prophet. Right. If you were a prophet, you would deny it. Right. He's denying it. <laughs> right. It's so outrageously funny, and, and I know I've been around faithful people. They're in my family and in my neighborhood, and I get in conversations with them. There's a spot where you put your finger on that boo-boo of doubt, and they become very frustrated. Yeah. And so this movie goes to that spot and then just runs a gag. The master! He is here!
the knee jerk reaction is to oh they're you know they're making fun of like my faith, but they're not. In fact, they're making fun of how foolish people can be, and they're not really taking shots at the faith itself, but just in the in the like there's this bumper sticker that I've seen that I always like chuckle at where it's like um. Like, dear Jesus, uh, save me from your followers. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one, right. That's kind of like, I think, the core of like what they're doing. They're not assailing the actual faith itself, but rather the lunacy of, of people that will take things too far. What's Carlin's line in Bill and Ted? Be excellent to each other and party on, dude. <laughs> it's like... That's kind of what it boils down to. It's a right. very Christian message of right. be good to each other. Right. And party on, dude. And, that, right. and look out for each other. Right. Because the world's hard. Mm-hmm. But you have the power to fix things. Mm-hmm. But you have to help. You have to carry some weight. Right. In my own sort of haphazard studies of this era of human civilization, roughly 2,000 years ago, part of the message that makes the Christ such a big deal is this turning away from authority and to mutuality. Turning away from retribution to forgiveness, turning away from cruelty towards warmth, even when it's hard. And those are indeed very powerful messages. And they're affirmed throughout. Yeah. Because, in fact, when Brian does finally, okay, these people are following me around, i got to give them some, so they'll go away. Please, please, listen. I've got one or two things to say. Yes, Look, you've got it all wrong. You don't need to follow me. You don't need to follow anybody. You've got to think for yourself. You're all individuals. Yes, we're all individuals. And then you watch the crowd just parrot it mindlessly, which is that bumper stick. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> or or the, the, the beginning, um, because the film basically opens with Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And they're not making fun of Jesus, but like... Well, what happens if these people hear it wrong? Yeah. You know, blessed are the cheesemakers. Blessed are the Greek. Because <laughs> they're so far away, they can't, they can't hear quite him. hear him. So once again, they're not like assailing Christ or Christianity, but rather... How it's been interpreted and used inappropriately. Right. Get far away from the man and the message and what the faith might be at right. root. There was another detail. Uh, <laughs> it relates to that. Because Cleese is sort of the leader, Reg. Right, yeah, of, of, uh, of, the people's front of Judea. <laughs> but not the Judean people's <laughs> right, front. Right. <laughs> this is sort of word salad of different acrimonious groups competing with one another to largely produce the same thing, which is the overthrow of the oppressor. In this example, it's Rome sitting on top of Judea and crushing the Hebraic peoples. But they're so caught up in, um, in the bureaucracy and in Robert's rules of order and how to negotiate with one another to go do something that they fail to do something because right. their point is not what they're trying to support. It's their own club. Right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's funny because watching it this time, I, I, I really, and, and maybe it's just because of the times in which we live, it really is also sort of taking leftist extremism down a peg. Yeah. When they meet in the sewer, you know, the, the Judean People's Front and the People's Front of Judea, you're trying to attain the same goal and you here on paper, work together, right. but but right, but it's it's these little intersectional differences 
that are making you bicker with one another instead of... And they bumble each other new unconsciousness while the Roman guards just watch it all go down. Like, right. you're taking care of it for us, thanks. Right, <laughs> right, which is, you know, it's it's a dumb cliche, but it's, you know, it's arguably, you know, more relevant today than it was then. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, that's that's what I found kind predict. of exciting about this movie, is I didn't expect it to have that level of, of smarts. Let's just be frank with that term. I, I didn't expect mm-hmm. it to be as intelligent as it is, despite having an awareness of these guys being smart dudes. Mm-hmm. They were also good about <laughs> about cross-ethnic stereotyping. The Jewish peoples are good with numbers. Right. But that's attached to the Romans, because in this movie, it's a kind of a reversal. The Jewish peoples that we meet are largely interested in trying to find a, a faith healer or a prophet, or they want to go to war because they're vigorously rebellious against the authorities around them. And we don't generally assign these values, but they're all, all played by Gentiles. Right. So I, I right. kept waiting. For some, you know, gross prosthetic nose to show up, or something that would be really too far for my current sensibilities. Right. But they never do that. Nope. So that's, I think, a nod to they, they recognize the sort of world they're playing in, and they choose to pull back in some ways. A key thing that also shows up, as I've explained to you in the past, I keep a running list of movies where you see the adult male genitals. Oh yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's full frontal in this one. You get some Graham Chapman. There yeah, he is. There's yeah. little Graham and big Graham all in the same shot. You also do if you look closely. You can see Terry Jones's balls <laughs> as he's running as, out of the pit. Right as he jumps out of the pit and he's running to go save his juniper bush. Let me tell you, I I did look and I, I did notice that, and so I was doubly pleased. Which, when we take it back to 79, would have been another reason to be abjectly abhorrent. We can't see male genitals. Right. But in the same sequence, when we see Graham Chapman, and it's wonderful. He wakes up from a night of lovemaking with Judith. She's asleep. He tucks out from under her. He walks naked to his window to behold the day. Look, I have fallen in love. And he stands naked before all these followers who chant his name. But then the sequence continues, and then we see Judith hop out of bed to mm-hmm. defend her new lover, Brian, from his mother, who doesn't want the crowd, doesn't understand what's happening, and is shocked that her son, an adult man, is having relations with an adult woman, and she's fully naked. Yeah. So all of that would have made this totally censorious and well beyond the pale of what was tolerable, because we still can't really tolerate seeing genitals on mm-hmm. screen. Well, and you know what's funny about it, though, too, is like a particular in America, we're so sort of puritanical about you know sex and nudity. But even with that full frontal stuff, I, I wouldn't hesitate to show this to, like, a kid. Yeah, because it's know, not because meant to be look at the sexy it's stuff. It's not, like, pornographic mm-hmm. or, like, you know, provocative in that sexual way. It's only provocative if you are provoked by seeing the human form. Mm-hmm. It's not Ilsa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I can't help myself, because I did go back in time and figure out what else was in in the marketplace of ideas when this movie was released. The Brood was already out there. My favorite Cronenberg. It's outstanding. Rocky II was sweeping up the remains of the Sylvester Stallone machine, but he is a very opposite Graham Chapman body. He'd gotten to the gym harder. He'd gotten leaner. He'd gotten buffer. And so that's a really interesting contrast of, like, American manhood was starting to be shaped by that mold. British manhood seemed to be much more vulnerable and honest. Right, yeah. <laughs> and in its way, more charming. Mm-hmm. And that's a good example. We move on. I, I got a soft spot for Clint Eastwood in Escape from Alcatraz. Features him, then, I think, near 50 years of age, in a backwards, fully nude shot as he's being taken to his cell. And then, of course, because we've watched together, 36th Chamber of Shaolin, that happened. 
mm-hmm. Meatballs happened, and Moonraker, and I'm just talking about June, stuff yeah. that would have already been in the marketplace by the time this shows up in August. Moonraker, arguably the most underappreciated Bond film. But the summer has more to come. The Frisco Kid and the Villain were in July, and then in August, North Dallas 40, more American graffiti, because, of course, we have Spawn of interesting work, which which is not as interesting. Yeah. We have Americathon, and these are funny movies, they're meant to be. Hot Stuff, Apocalypse Now drops in, and then Caligula, a personal favorite terrible movie. Yeah. Rock and Roll High School. Oh, love it. And these are great movies that are trying to, I think, just like Life of Brian, pile in odd humor in odd situations with occasional musical numbers just to sort of see what will stick to the wall. Yeah. And then the next month, September, we get Wise Blood. And then to round out the rough season, this was an August release. In October, we get Skate Town USA 10, Nosferatu the Vampire, Herzog's reworking of that classic German mm-hmm. movie with Klaus Kinski being just bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> bonkers in the central role. The Black Stallion, and this weird epic movie called Jesus. Right. Which is nice because we have Life of Brian, and if you were a person so interested in your faith, you might have gone to see this. I know that that became a movie. I have a minister grandfather, mm. and that was talked about around the sides of a breakfast table one time while visiting him. He did live within commuting distance on a weekend trip. And I remember realizing that I could sometimes put a convincing argument with the adults around me. If this is good for me this movie you'll take me to the show so that rounds out sort of the season that life of brian shows up in which is to say there's a lot of weird attempts at topical humor during this period Mm -hmm. while also some important world of sort pieces of art get dropped in the marketplace all at once it's hard to say that apocalypse now is anything but a very very great work of art which is alienating to a lot of people but it's here Mm -hmm. The same can be said of The Brood. The same can now be said of Life of Brian now that I've seen it. An analogy that just bubbles up right now. I I had a cousin when he was young, quite young, uh, a preschool kid. He wouldn't eat vegetables. And my aunt was really concerned about this and really hovered. How am I going to get the boy proper nutrition? All that. She, She learned to grind the green vegetables that she wanted him to eat into the burgers that she would make for him. <laughs> and so the analogy holds in that the humor of this will get a certain person just to kind of go, I can't believe that guy just fell into that vat of that disgusting fluid. Right. But then you think, what was the joke meant to be? Why was he falling into that thing? So the broccoli inside of the burger right. is the point. But falling into whatever it might be, that's the meat patty that right. holds the broccoli. Yeah. And I do feel like that's kind of the operating principle of how, to, how a lot of sophisticated humor works. It gets you on the side gag. It gets you on the dirty words. It gets you on the pratfall. But what sits behind that can often be a freight train of really important thinking that you're not necessarily prepared to deal with, the not yet. Right. I couldn't handle this in my teen years. I had no idea why these foolish, skinny men wearing dresses were running around <laughs> yelling at each other in a language I could almost understand but not quite. With some time, I can see that, yeah, that's maybe part of it, but there's a lot more on their minds. Yeah. And what's on their mind is is worth considering. One of the scenes that I love where, where they're handing out the crucifixes and Michael Palin, he's got that curly wig and he's so nice and yeah. thoughtful. Crucifixion? Yes. Good. Out of the door, line on the left, one cross each. Next. Crucifixion? Yes. Good. Out of the door, line on the left, one cross each. Next. My two favorite things about this are the sequence in which the people's 
The People's Front of Judea. People's Front of Judea. <laughs> are drawing up their demand that the Romans leave. Yeah. But then they begin pointing out to one another, but the Romans have given us sanitation. Right. And health care. roads. <laughs> Wine. <laughs> and, and that little gag doubles because later in the piece they, they come, they march forward to the crucified Brian and they explain, thank you for your martyrdom. Right. And we're now going to deliver our demands to the Romans, except for the Romans who give us sanitation right. medical care so it's right. become part of their platform that they want the romans to go except for the good ones right but really when you think about all the things that they treasure it's quite a lot yeah and it undercuts the whole of what's going on but then the second sort of memorable thing and of course graham's penis i like right, that of course is they sing on top of the crucifix right always look on the bright side of life You can see some of the crucified dudes that their feet are tapping. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's terrific. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. Ain't always look on the bright side of life. Boop, boop, and you do.